On today's show, I'm breaking down the five things the New York Mets must do to become a contender in 2024. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we're breaking down what the Mets have to do this offseason. In the first segment, we'll get to the most important thing which is who is going to lead their baseball operations. Then in the second segment, I will dive into the two main players I like to see the Mets invest significant money into long-term, a free agent and an internal guy. Then in the final segment, how can the Mets round out a roster that can contend next season? I have some free agents that the Mets could target, some guys that could take bigger roles on the club. We'll get to all of it before we do. I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Now I figured it's never too early to start off-season content, particularly when a season has gone as badly as 2023 has for the New York Mets, and I wanted to take the time to write an article for Just Baseball and do a podcast on this topic where I broke down the five most important things that the Mets need to get accomplished this off-season to have a chance to go from a horrible year to right back to contending in 2024. And I think the first step is the biggest one. There is one man who could change this team more than anyone else. I would venture to say he is the top free agent on the market. And I'm not talking about Shohei Otani, although obviously he is the biggest name out there. But when it comes to the Mets in particular, the top free agent target should be David Stearns as the president of baseball operations. There is nothing more important to the New York Mets this offseason than getting David Stearns to head their baseball operations. That hire alone could change the next decade of Mets baseball in a far more significant way, in my opinion, than even landing Otani. As much as Otani would shape a generation of Mets fans and it would be the most spectacular and exciting news imaginable. The news that will make the Mets a stable, consistent, and well-run franchise is hiring David Stearns. I've spoken about this on my show plenty of times in the past, probably been a year long or years long of a topic. You really go back in the archives because this is the best executive that can be had. It's not Theo Epstein or Billy Bean or all those other names of guys who have done it before. Um, To a certain extent, obviously Theo with a much better resume than Billy Bean, but those veteran executives that are out there. David Stearns gives you a combination of youth and the fact that he's still like 38 years old 
but also a guy that's done it before, done at the highest level, and is on the cutting edge, which is exactly what Steve Cohen has spoken about when it comes to who he is looking for to head up his baseball operations. If you're not familiar with David Stearns, he actually began his baseball career in the Mets uh, front office for a, a brief period of time, uh, works for the Arizona Fall League and the MLB offices, ends up with the then Cleveland Indians, and then his big break of a job was landing with the Houston Astros. He ends up with them in 2012, works there at a time where the Astros were coming off multiple hundred loss seasons. And he was part of the front office. He was number two to Jeff Lunau uh, as the, the front office that took that franchise and set them on their current course, which became a dynasty. Now, Stearns didn't get to enjoy it because he left and took over as the Bra- or the Brewers, excuse me, the Braves, the Brewers general manager in 2015. And at the time, they were in a similar boat as the Astros were previously. They were coming off a 94 loss season. And if you look at their history as a franchise, before Stearns got there, they had made the playoffs four times. In the 17 years where the Brewers were in the National League before Stearns got there, they made the playoffs twice, the last time being in 2011. And they only won that division one time. Then Stearns comes in. And there was, of course, a down season. His first year was an improved season, but still a down season. But by the time you got to 2017, David Stearns had the Brewers finishing second in the NL Central, an 86 and 76 record, and it was a franchise that was clearly on the upswing. Then 2018 begins a four-year run where the Brewers made the playoffs every season. Again, this is a franchise that had made the playoffs four times in their first 45-plus years. Stearns comes in. And year three, they make the playoffs and they make it four straight years. And they won the NL Central twice during that span. Now, last year, the Brewers were 86 and 76. They narrowly missed the playoffs. And Stern stepped down as the president of baseball operations, moved into an advisory role uh, to ownership, which was you know, from the outside looking in a wait out the rest of your contract, but you're not going to remain with us beyond it situation where Matt Arnold took over. Matt Arnold was the guy the Mets were interested in for a GM job. Matt Arnold gets to take over the team and Stearns waits. And now he's going to be a free agent. And guess what doesn't impact your luxury tax? How much you pay your top executive. A lot of times we don't even know what those guys get paid. But I would venture to guess that if David Stearns comes over and heads up baseball operations for the Mets, he will become the highest paid executive in the sport, potentially the highest paid executive in sports. And if he can accomplish what he was part of with the Astros and what he headed with the Brewers, it would be money well spent. And for those of you wondering, does that mean Billy Epler has gone? Every indication we have seen is that Billy Epler will remain that Steve Cohen likes him. They have a really good relationship and he does bring something to the table because he was the guy that signed Shoyotani originally. And he is the guy that signed Kodai Senga. So he's very familiar in that market. And as we get into the next step, which is 
where the Mets should spend their money on the player acquisition side. Billy Epler could once again prove to be a very vital piece in signing the most important free agent the Mets can this offseason. And that's where we're going to get to next. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to receive a 100-time payout on your cash with Daily Fantasy Baseball. Look, your fantasy team, they might be out of it, but that does not mean you have to stop playing fantasy. You can just switch over and play Daily Fantasy. Baseball has never been more exciting with an amazing MVP race down the stretch between Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna Jr. and guys on the Mets chasing milestones like Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. This is your chance to pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100-time payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you can win big. Plus, there's built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks with the tap of a button so you can play with friends as well. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy and they're safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. The New York Mets for the Washington Nationals at 7.05 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, I alluded to it in the last segment. There is one free agent that is more important than any other for the Mets to sign this offseason. And again, I'm not referring to Shohei Otani. It's Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He is 25 years old. He is the top starting pitcher on the market, in my opinion. A guy that has even better numbers than Kodai Senga did in Japan, the NPB. And you have a chance to pair those two pitchers atop your rotation and you know, potentially have the new you know, co-aces that could headline your team for years to come. Yamamoto is electric, and the Mets have been scouting him extensively. Billy Epler made a trip out to Japan to look at him firsthand. They're going to be in on this guy, and he's the one I think the Mets have to sign more than anyone else because they need to replace the void in their starting rotation that was left by Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. And you know where that money you saved on their salary next year can go? Right in Yamamoto's pocket. Because you cleared a a bunch of money. While there's dead money, you still cleared money. And who else are you spending it on? Now, this is going to get into the next segment as well about sort of building out the rest of the pitching depth. But you look at the top of the market this offseason. It's Aaron Nola, Blake Snell. I think those are probably the top two starting pitchers. Julio Urias was going to belong somewhere in that group. And now I hope he doesn't play baseball again, at least at the major league level, because he's now been uh, arrested on a felony domestic violence charge. I actually forgot uh, that in 2019, he served a suspension for a domestic violence case. So two-time offender, I hope for major league baseball's sake, is two strikes you're out on that one. And we don't see him again, but you certainly won't see him in a Mets uniform. So you look at the other options again, outside of Yamamoto, it's Nola Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Marcus Stroman as the top of the market. And I don't think Stroman's coming back to the Mets. Jordan Montgomery will spend more time on in the next segment, 
But if you're talking about spending big money, Aaron Nola has got a lot of mileage on his arm. That's a good thing in the sense that he has shown an ability to be durable and hold up over a long season. I also wonder if there's going to be more value paid towards a guy like Nola who lives in the lower 90s, who doesn't throw the 97, 98, who maybe could hold up longer because maybe the human body is just not meant to throw 97 plus miles per hour as I wear a back-to-back Jacob deGrom Cy Young shirt today on the show. Blake Snell, he could get paid big time this offseason, maybe more than anyone else on a per-year basis, certainly. Is that the guy that the Mets want to sign? To me, Yamamoto is the answer. And if you land him and you go into next year with Senga Yamamoto and Jose Quintana as your top three even, and you just build out the back end depth a little bit, I think you're sitting in a very comfortable place to compete for a wild card. I think the Mets have to shoot for a different bar in 2024. It's not catch up to the Braves because you can't do that overnight. But it's okay. Put yourself in a position where, hey, if some things break right, if your young core shows up sooner than expected, like we've seen this year in Cincinnati, in Arizona, in Baltimore, then you have the pieces in place so you can't contend. And then you might just be the one piece at the deadline away for being a team that can threaten in 2024. So to me, Yamamoto is more important than anything else. And then the other big money I hope the Mets spend this offseason is extending Pete Alonso. We don't need to waste too much time on that because I think it's self-explanatory. You're on either side of the fence at this point. You're either so pro-team that you are against paying Pete Alonso. You are against the idea of a first baseman who's not necessarily great at the position, who, who could be a DH in the later half of his career, who only brings power to the table, so to speak. That could be your line of thought. Personally, I look at the best run producer in baseball over the last five seasons, a guy who's hit more home runs, driven in more runs than anyone else, who, as I spoke about on yesterday's show, you can listen back to why I said he's been statistically the best home run hitter ever through five seasons of his career. No one's been better in their first five years at hitting home runs than this dude. And I think extending him would be a a big message sent to the fans. You know, you're, you're taking care of homegrown guys. You did it with Brandon Nemo. Edwin Diaz, technically not a homegrown guy, but you did bring him back. I think Alonzo go a very long way with the fan base and it would go a very long way in that clubhouse going into next year. I think if there's all this uncertainty about Pete Alonzo's status and Oh, could he get traded at the deadline? If it's this lingering question, I do wonder how it ultimately plays out. The other side of it is contract here. Pete Alonzo might be awesome. So if the Mets go the other way on that, I'm not going to you know, beat him up too much. They don't sign Yamamoto, though. I'd actually be more upset. So those are the two big long-term nine-figure potentially uh, investments I'd like to see Steve Cohen make. The question from there is, how do you round out the rest of the roster so it's good enough that you can compete in 2024? That's what I'm going to get to next. Before we do, though, another word from our sponsors.
The New York Mets put the Washington Nationals at 7.05 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch on the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM map. Just search Mets. Now, again, I'm writing an article right now. I'm in the process of writing it for Just Baseball about this very topic, and I have five steps. Step one, land uh, David Stearns at all costs. Step two, extend Pete Alonso. Step three, sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Step four and five sort of go hand in hand. Step four is forecast the youth movement. That is the most important thing that David Stearns is going to have to do. He's going to have to come in and speak with the, the player development people that are left because a lot of them were just let go. Speak with Billy Epler and they got to figure out what they have in-house because that needs to direct the signs that they make. And that leads into step five, add the right veterans. So we'll start on the pitching front. Yamamoto, in my eyes, if this offseason goes as planned, is slated in as your number two or your number one, your, your co-aces with Sanga. Quintana, you'd like to push him to four, but I think it's more realistic to expect him to be your three. And it's about having you know maybe two or three fours, so to speak. I think that's what we've seen has worked for some teams. The Minnesota Twins, a great example. Just get guys who are solid starting pitchers. And go from there. Now, do you have any of those guys in-house? Mike Vassals in AAA. Is he going to be ready to contribute next year? Christian Scott had a great season. Ended up in AA. I'm thinking he's probably shut down with an innings limit. I still haven't seen anything reporting what he's been hurt with. So hopefully it's just that. He really shined this year. Could he be part of the rotation? Dominic Camel has now gotten a lot of innings logged. In double A, is he someone that can be in triple A next year and contribute? Tyler Stewart and Blade Tidwell have had very good seasons and they got promoted to double A midway through. Are either of them looking at a 2024 ETA? And then you have David Peterson and Tyler McGill, um, which I hope is again just depth options. But with all that said, you have to identify what you got and then what you need to add. And the Mets could say, you know what? We're going to add one more starter and we're going to go into the season trusting that our youth will be our depth. So who do they add? Jordan Montgomery to me would be the best case scenario, but I just wonder how crazy the contract gets on, on J Mont because here's a dude that, you know, was traded for Harrison Bader at the deadline by the Yankees last year. And boy, does that look like, horrible trade in retrospect because Bader ends up being let go on waivers. And you look at what this guy did, you know, he last season pitched to a three, one, one ERA and 11 starts in St. Louis. This is after pitching to a three, six, nine ERA with the Yankees. This year he pitched to a three, four, two ERA and 21 starts in St. Louis, three, six, oh, ERA and six starts with the Rangers. So he's working on a three, four, six ERA this year over 27 starts and 156 innings pitched left-handed starter that just gets outs simply enough. Um, he would be an amazing addition to the New York Mets, but in a relatively thin free agent class, I wonder if Jordan Montgomery gets a bag that the Mets aren't willing to, to match considering what they might spend on Yamamoto and a team that, has a lot of dead money on the books and might not realistically contend in 2024.
Then again, if you told me last offseason at the beginning, the Mets would have signed Justin Verlander and Kodai Senga and Jose Quintana, I would have said, you're crazy. They're not going to add that many starters, and they did. So you never know. Uh, other couple guys to mention, Eduardo Rodriguez. I, I think he's also kind of a tier above what else is out there. Seth Lugo is just a funny name to talk about because he can opt out and get more money. Um, he's been great for the Padres as a starter. Maybe the Mets should have given him a shot. 3-4-9 ERA and 22 starts this year, which is literally a point off of his 3-4-8 career ERA. So Lugo as a starter, he's been healthy. He's been able to do it. It's been pretty impressive to see. As far as I know, I think he still has a partial tear in his UCL. But there he is, just working with what he's got, ripping off incredible curveballs. And being a good starting pitcher, I don't think he's coming back to the Mets, though. I, I think they um, probably burned that bridge by never giving him his chance. Uh, other guys, though, that I actually think are realistic, there's two that jump out to me. Hyun Jin Ryu, who, remember, was a runner-up to Jacob deGrom uh, in the 2019 Cy Young race. He has a 2.48 ERA and six starts coming back from Tommy John surgery, I think 36 years old, with the Blue Jays. Will be interesting to see as an unrestricted free agent what he could command. Um, how much has he proved on the stretch? You know, are the Blue Jays a playoff team? Does he get some starts in October where he adds a lot of money to his bank account? Or do they end up coming up short and he ends up with, you know, 10 starts and he needs to sign another prove it deal or a prove it deal, I should say? I, I like him a lot. Um, we've only been talking about lefties though with Montgomery, Rodriguez, and Ryu. A righty. Lucas Giolito, he's been a disaster since the trade deadline. Uh, just awful, 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 awful. He was bad with the Angels. He gets picked up off waivers from the Guardians. He's been bad there too. But I look at Giolito, a guy who's been healthy and durable, who has had really good moments, such as a 3-7-9 area before the trade deadline. And I feel like that could actually be a nice signing if you pair it with Yamamoto, where, all right, Here's a guy who you expect to make his starts. And you hope he's not going to pitch to an ERA over six like he has in the second half. You give him a full offseason with the team to get acclimated, to get comfortable. You know, you get a relationship going with your pitching coaches and everything else. And maybe you get the best version of Giolito on a one-year prove-it deal because he just tanked all of his free agent value. Beyond that, names like James Paxton, Lance Lynn, Kyle Hendricks has a club option that I don't think the Cubs pick up. You can look at Frankie Montes coming off a shoulder surgery or Tyler Malley coming off TJ. Not great options, but that's what's out there. You look at the relievers. I don't want to spend too much time on building out a bullpen, but the two names that jump out the most to me, it's not Josh Hader. I don't think you're going to have $200 million relief pitchers on your payroll. David Robertson coming back. Maybe the Mets give him a no trade clause so he doesn't end up in Miami again. Um, that's one. Jordan Hicks, just because of stuff, the Mets have to build out a bullpen. But getting back to forecasting the youth movement, that's what the rest of the season's about. Because you got to see what you have in Brett Beatty. You got to see what you have in Mark Vientos. You got to see what you have in Ronnie Mauricio. I think you know that Francisco Alvarez is your starting catcher. But what those guys proved to be, and also still assessing what you have in Luis and Helicuna and Drew Gilbert and their realistic chance of contributing in 2024, that should inform your decisions in free agency. And then the Mets had to add the right veterans there. 
Maybe they decide Vientos is not the answer, but hey, Mauricio and Beatty are. And with that, you have positional flexibility with Jeff McNeil as well. That You can move guys around and your team is pretty malleable. And maybe it's just let's get one great bat and finally have a really good DH. Maybe you sign J.D. Martinez or Jorge Soler. Maybe you get Jock Peterson to give you a little bit of left field and a lot of DH. Maybe it's Teoscar Hernandez. And I think any and all those guys, you'd probably prefer to have them on short-term deals. Maybe it's bringing back Tommy Pham and Mark Canna if you just want someone who can start and left because you think that Jeff McNeil is going to be a second baseman because you don't know what you have in Ronnie Mauricio or you're thinking Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty are your competition at third base. Maybe it's Kike Hernandez to give you someone who could just play all over or Hunter Renfro to give you a different option in the outfield. Brandon Belt, a really good DH option who can sort of play the exact same role he's playing with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now in Toronto with Pete Alonso in the Mets. Or if you just want a fourth outfielder type, Michael Taylor would be an amazing fitter, Harrison Bader. There are options. What the Mets have to do, again, my five steps to turning them into a contender in 2024. It's David Stearns, most important. It's Sign Yamamoto, probably the second most important. Extend Pete Alonso, I think, is very important. Forecast the youth movement to decide the fifth and final step, which veterans to sign to give you a chance to put together a team that can be above 500, can be in the mix, and if your youth rises to the service, if Yamamoto and Sanga are dynamic as a one-two punch atop your rotation, if your bullpen ends up being competent for once, maybe at the deadline the Mets are big buyers instead of big sellers. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, Locked on Mets.